This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports, Marishka's in Crest Hill, Dr. Squatch Soap Company, and by Fry the Coop. Here are your hosts, NBC Chicago's James Naveau and 670 The Scores hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Let's drop the puck. Welcome in, friends, to this happy-go-lucky edition, we'll call it, of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Naveau from NBC5 Chicago, and with me, of course, as always, is the one and only Jay Zawoski of 670 The Score and the I'm Fat Podcast. Jay Zawoski, the Chicago Blackhawks are playoff bound. <laughs> Unreal. Defeating, defeating the Edmonton Oilers tonight, 3-2. to two. They will face the winner of Vegas Golden Knights in Colorado Colorado Avalanche. I know English. That'll be tomorrow. But for now, Jay, we raise a toast to the Blackhawks. They are playoff bound. What are you feeling right now? The, the first thing I want to say about this game, before I lose track of it, before we get lost in the minutia, is rumors of Jonathan Taves' demise are highly overrated. Mm. That dude was the absolute man in this game, in the third period, winning battles against Connor McDavid, outworking him, stealing the puck away. He was everything you needed in this series. Jonathan Taves looks like 2010, 2013, 2015 Jonathan Taves again. It's unreal. And when that guy's got something motivating him, when he's got a goal to reach, I don't know if there's anyone else I want in charge of reaching that goal. Jonathan Taves is a huge part of why the Blackhawks won this series. He's not the only reason, but he's a huge reason. First, I want to tell you how to get in touch with the podcast, madhousepod at gmail.com or on Twitter at madhousepod. Instagram, madhouse underscore pod. Follow the Instagram page. We're doing a lot of fun stuff on there. Jonathan Taves, incredible. Duncan Keith, what more can you say about Duncan Keith? There's so much good to discuss in this game. And yeah, there are some things we're going to have to address that weren't as great but look the hawks win three games to one unreal i i cannot believe that we're in the position we're in right now i thought maybe they could sneak it out in five if something they just won they just won the series they were the better team for the better part of it and they deserve to win and and again like you were alluding to earlier this was such a key efforts and a great effort by some of the Blackhawks biggest names, whether you're talking about Jonathan Taves, who I thought just had a phenomenal series. Talk about Duncan Keith, who seemingly has turned back the clock in these playoffs has looked like the Duncan Keith of old. There have been other guys who have contributed to this mix as well. Your Slater Cuckoos have been fantastic in the series. Dominic Kubelik, I thought recovered beautifully from the bad play that he made uh, passing the puck along the blue line, then committing the slash in the second period. I thought that his third period was a man possessed knowing that he had to make up for that mistake. And he did it. And then last but not least, we had been talking 
the entire series about Corey Crawford and whether he could shake off the rust and kind of reattain that level of play that he has shown in the playoffs throughout his career. And I will be damned if we did not see that Corey Crawford show up in the third period of tonight's game. Corey Crawford looked absolutely fantastic. I loved it. And my goodness, dude, they are advancing. And I feel so much better about Corey Crawford than I did even two or three days ago. How about two or three hours ago? Because in that first period where that was it the first or second goal that was it came in from behind the net and then he was just sort of like hanging out there. <laughs> we say every now and again, there's those moments with Crawford where you're like, what is he doing? Uh, and there was one of those goals tonight, uh, but he bounced back and was, like we said, positionally sound. That is what Corey Crawford's game is all about. That's why you don't see him making you know, miraculous diving paddle stops because he's typically in the right place. But a couple huge saves in the third, the one where he was down and just lifted the glove enough to rob the goal. Corey Crawford was incredible during the uh, third and second periods of this game and has been, you know, wanted him to come up big. He had a series. And what's funny is if I had asked you a week ago, you know, James, the Hawks are going to play four playoff games and Patrick Kane's going to have one goal. Do they win this series? <laughs> what would you say? Of course, you would have said no. I mean, that's obviously you would hope that other guys on the ice would step up, whether it's a Dylan Strom or an Alex DeBrincat who we'll get to in this. I promise you we will get to him. But yeah, I like you said, Jay, I would never in a million years have thought the Blackhawks would have managed to win a series with him only scoring one goal. It would have been the equivalent of asking if Edmonton could have won their series if Connor McDavid had only scored one goal. He's just that integral part of the Blackhawks offense. You never would have thought they would have been able to do this without him. And they were because other guys managed to step up, especially on their blue line, man. I thought that the Blackhawks blue line throughout this series did a phenomenal job of getting pucks on net. We saw that again tonight with a couple with the deflection goal and with the rebound goal by Brandon Saad. It's been a remarkable series for that blue line, and they got some contributions from some key guys when they needed them the most. If anyone saw my tweet about Slater Cuckoo earlier today, I wasn't really seeking out anything specific. Just want to kind of validate my feelings on him. So I looked him up on Natural Statric. He has a team high 51.61 Fenwick rating. His Fenwick relative is 4.18. That's a team high. His expected goals for percentage is 53.75. Team high. 59.17 of his starts occurred in the defensive or neutral zones. And his high danger chances percentage is 51%. That is Slater Cuckoo. That's a guy who's been playing well all year. And finally, we noticed in this playoff series how valuable he's been. And I, after finding those stats, and look, I went into that looking up those numbers with no expectation. I didn't really know what I was going to find. I, I wasn't trying to prove to people that he was good. I was like, is he as good as he seems? The numbers I found were incredible and, uh, and, and validate what we've been seeing. So tonight, I really focused on his game. He's a heady player. He makes the right move most of the times. I really like Slater Cuckoo's game. There's another guy, restricted free agent, having a really nice playoff. <laughs> so it's like yeah. just so much good to talk about in tonight's game. And I know it was still stressful as hell. It was painful. <laughs> I was I went out to uh, Dan McNeil and Danny Parkins at a broadcast in Max backyard today. And I went over there just to say hi. And uh, David, David Hawes like, enjoy the game. I'm like, I won't. I won't enjoy the game. 
There's no chance. I can't. <laughs> I'm incapable of that. Thanks for asking, though. Well, I mean, you, did you miss this, Jay? Did you miss the playoff intensity? Because I don't know. I'm reconsidering my life choices after that period because I know I missed it. I don't know if I missed it quite that much to be able to endure basically the last 10 minutes of the game, Edmonton throwing the entire kitchen sink at the Blackhawks. That was absolutely nuts. Yeah. And and they, they withstood it. That was, I mean, to and I was a little worried because they talked about where was Murphy and I was afraid Murphy was hurt. Then towards the end of the third, you see him again and he was a huge part of things. And I like the, the, what Eddie called the four corners game on the penalty kill that's trying to keep it away from New Orleans. But as soon as they got the puck and as soon as they pulled the goalie, it was heart attack time again. And like, I'm in the room and I, I don't know if my wife just forgot, but you know, she's like, so anyway, I was at work today and I'm like, shut up i'm like i can't i go i love you and i know you're saying words but i'm not hearing them i don't know what you're saying yeah i I, i'm not i'm not intentionally ignoring you but i also cannot possibly focus on you right now there's six minutes left in the third period and i need to listen i need to hear what you're saying (laughs) or what the game is saying what's happening thankfully my wife was at work tonight i do have a uh, friend over for the game tonight but he was just as into it as i was so I didn't have to worry about that. That was uh, that was blissful being able to wallow in my own pain and misery for a few uh, for a few minutes there. I was literally just almost like on the floor, just going rock back and forth. Just be, <laughs> it's going to be fine. I, I, I had a few uh, beers during the game. Everything was good. I feel a lot better now, though. And this is a celebratory beer and not a sad one. It should be a celebratory beer. I'm going to have one as soon as we wrap up. I had a celebratory um diet dr pepper cream soda is that like the whitest lamest thing ever said in podcasts do, do i need to get you a pair of khakis and a pair of uh new balances well, is that I, what we're going with yeah now? i'm already in my bougie what everybody calls my bougie studio which is aka my trash room there you go there's my bougie studio yeah, yeah. uh yeah I, I need something i need something to drink because i'm still i'm like jumping out of my seat i'm hyped mm-hmm. uh and this you know I think we thought they could win, right? We were like, yeah, they they legitimately have a chance. You look at the numbers five on five and you say, this the Hawks are pretty good, pretty even with the Oilers when when they're at even strength. The penalty kill, even though they gave up that goal, you know, towards the end of that first power play, so it didn't technically count, the penalty kill was really good. Okay. And when Alex Debrinket took that penalty, and I guess this is the time to talk about it, <laughs> there's Alex Debrinket's contribution to the season, a to the playoffs, a Five minute major cross check uh, to the back to the board boarding Ethan Bear. How about thank God for Drake Kajula taking a dive halfway through that penalty <laughs> to, to, to draw one I, from Edmonton? I, I will I will say again, I said this on Twitter and I will reiterate it. Yes, Kajula obviously took a dive there, but yeah. Nurse cannot do what he did. The referees are always looking for that type of thing on a power play and he fed right into it and Kajula played his role absolutely perfectly I I think that you know again I'm, I'm just gonna say both of those guys I see what you did there I saw it <laughs> we got a question from soup daddy in the chat she says who do you want to face Colorado or Vegas uh, um no <laughs> how about neither are the minnesota wild available uh yeah. no i think it's uh i'm gonna have to say vegas 
I'm gonna have to say Are Vegas because really? oh man, so much firepower on Colorado. There's there really so is much firepower, and but so Vegas much also speed. has incredible goaltending, dude. Even if like you somehow manage to shut down the offensive weapons that they do have, then you have to go in there and be like, oh, by the way, now you either have to beat Mark Andre Fleury or Robin Leonard. Have fun. <sighs> <sighs> That's rough. That's rough. And you know, you know, at some point, Leonard's getting in. You know it's going to happen. Oh, it has to. Has yeah. To. Can you imagine the narrative of that series if it's Robin Leonard and Ned at any point? It's just like, oh, great. Now we have to relitigate this trade and do all this. And then he's going to dominate the Blackhawks and Stan Bowman's going to give him an eight-year, $9 million season contract. <laughs> God dang it. It was all leading up to this, and we didn't see it. Well, the answer is that both teams are a very tough matchup for the Blackhawks, and I'll have trouble – picking them either over either of those teams but i guess if i had to if i had to pick i guess i would say vegas but i mean you look colorado has a history of underperforming in the playoffs vegas in their first year went to the cup final so they've got some uh playoff mileage on they got mark andre Fleury, who you mentioned some guys who have gone deep into the playoffs before so who knows to me it's it's basically a coin toss but if i had to put money on it i would say they got a better shot of beating Vegas. I do want All to right. shout out Alex B in the chat said also see you later Preds no more skating mustard packets this year and guess That's who did that my former I guess second team the Arizona Coyotes busting out the black Kachina jerseys and knocking <laughs> off the Preds. Thank you Arizona and Vinny Henestrosa had the uh, primary assist on the game winning goal so shout out to that former Blackhawk. Do the do the National Predators raise a banner for being eliminated in the first round of the of the round robin is there a banner for that or no predators 2019 2020 stanley cup playoff qualifying play-in round qualifier participation there's like seven or eight words on that banner at least (laughs) all right well watching this game was painful in a good way and if you want to talk about painful in a good way go get some hot chicken from fry the coop fry the coop.com you can get it plain. You can get it insanity. However, however badly you want to hurt yourself, Fry the Coop can accommodate you with their great chicken tenders, Nashville hot chicken sandwiches, uh, the donut chicken sandwich. Everything there is terrific. Try the seasoned fries. Try the pimento mac and cheese. You're going to love Fry the Coop. Check out frythecoop.com. Come get your happiness at Fry the Coop. They're in Westtown, uh, Elmhurst, uh, Oaklawn. Coming soon to Tinley Park. Frythecoop.com. Get some of that insane hot chicken. I think I might celebrate with some fry the coop this weekend. Um, all right. We talked a little bit about, uh, Debrinket, and I don't want to dwell too much on it. I just have questions about his level of, I don't want to say engagement. I don't know if that's right. It doesn't look like he's not trying, but the fact that it looks like he's trying and not able to do anything, not able to create anything. That's a bit concerning for me. Hmm. Well, I mean, we've been talking about the lack of uh, generation from multiple players in these playoffs, whether it's your Nylanders, your Stroms, your Debrinkets, like guys that we need to really see more of in order to feel at all confident that they'll be able to advance not just out of the qualification round, but also like through the Stanley Cup playoffs. And you're absolutely right. Like, I don't like the fact that the most I've seen out of Alex Dabrinkit, the most engagement I've seen out of him was him committing a five-minute penalty. He had a couple of really good shifts at the beginning of the game on defense. I thought that he had a couple of good uh, 
plays where he would cut into passing lanes and break up some of the stuff that Edmonton was trying to do early in the contest. But after that, again, completely disappeared. The only time you really saw him was when he committed the penalty. And I think it is. I, I, I need to float this by you, Jay. I feel like is he causing a little bit of the issue that we've seen with Patrick Kane in terms of kind of his lack of offensive production for the most part in this series? I know they obviously had a good game. I think it was in game two, but I just, I'm wondering if Alex DeBrinkett's bringing Patrick Kane down a little bit. Uh, I mean, potentially it's, I don't know. It's, I don't want to directly blame him for that. I, I, I think we can say contributing factor, though. I don't think that that's out. That's not outlandish to say. No, I mean, it's it's not helping. If Alex DeBrinkett was an effective weapon like Dominic Kublik is and like Brandon Saad has been, he would have numbers more resembling Jonathan Taves, right? Because right. I, I think it's a factor, but I, I don't want to like I'm, I'm a little bit afraid of overstating it because. It's a small sample size. Yes, he had a uh, down regular season, too. Right. But the vast majority of Alex DeBrinkett's career as a Blackhawk has been overwhelmingly positive and overwhelmingly good. So I'm I'm a little bit afraid to make any grand declarations based on how he's played in the series. And every scorer is going to have like times like this where the, the puck's just not finding them in good opportune places. Like I do, I agree with you that there is an element of that where you do have to be a little bit more patient with a guy like that. It's just like the more I think about it is the if you were to say take DeBrinkit off of that cane line, would you, I don't know, bump him up to the first line and then bump one of the wingers down to the cane and dock line? Is that something that you would consider doing just to kind of shuffle up the look a little bit? Well, I hate to bring up that first line because it's been so effective. Yeah, you do, you do have Sod playing on his off wing. You've got Sod playing right wing, which is not ideal. Which um, would be fixed if you put him with Doc and Kane. Yeah, that's true. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm just not changing anything right now. You, you just hope that he figures it out as the series goes on. You hope that some better matchups for that line happen. I think regardless of whether it's Vegas or Colorado, I don't think the Hawks are going to have to have that obsessive defense like they do when McDavid's on the ice. I think they can probably play a little more of a normal style game Mm -hmm. as opposed to, holy cow, this guy can score literally at any second. And yes, of course, Colorado has Nathan McKinnon and Landis Gog and Miko Rantanen and all these super talented players, but they don't have a McDavid. And I, I wonder if a little bit more flexibility with the matchups will give the Hawks a little more opportunity for that third line. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe these guys will see that maybe, especially I'm not talking about Kane, but Strom and uh, Dabrinkit could see this like, okay, we won the series where we both played poorly. Here's a chance for us to sort of reset and uh, reevaluate our and sort of figure things out here. What do you think of uh, Rob Beavis's idea of potentially moving Drake Kajula up to the second line and maybe bumping uh, Dabrinkit down to potentially play with Dylan Strom? Uh, they've got that chemistry. I mean, I could, I guess I could deal with that. I would try that. I would try that. I like what could is bringing? He's sort of like the poor man's Andrew Shaw a little bit where he's like the little, uh, shit disturber. He's getting in front. He's getting under people's skin, but he's got some offensive ability too. Right. Maybe putting him with some better players could, would get him some points. Uh, I'm, you know, I, I don't want to tamper too much because for the most part, things have been good. Yes. That third line not effective they haven't been good 
Um, but I don't know, man. It, it's hard for me at this point after winning a series three to one at the Hawks. A lot of people thought had no business winning the series. Uh, I, I'm I'm hesitant to tamper with too much. See, you're just not you're not creative enough, Jay. You just like everything staying the same. That's basically what this is. We fear you're stale, change. man. I fear, <laughs> call me stale talent. Stay. Oh, it's not. It's not cool to make fun of the recently fired like that. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. Do we want to talk about that at all? Did you have any uh, feelings about Dale Talon getting the axe today after uh, Joel Quinville and the Panthers were knocked out by the Isles? Well, you know, I know that he gets a lot of credit for building the Blackhawks and drafting Patrick Kane first overall and Jonathan Taves third overall, and he deserves credit for that, but. I mean, he wasn't able to do it in Florida, and uh, I don't know. I think Mike Smith is a big part of why the Hawks won Cups. Dale Talon's a big part of the reason the Hawks won Cups, and so is Stan Bowman. So I like Dale. I do. I think he's a good hockey guy, but I was never like, how could they possibly? How could they let him go? I think right. he, he was a fine GM that lucked into two really terrific generational players. Uh, by the way, a couple of people asking in the chat, how can they tip us? Well, there's a little tip jar on your screen up there. Feel free to hit that up. If you are not interested in that and you want to simplify it uh, <laughs> and you want to hit up my Venmo, that's possible too. I will show James the money that comes in on my Venmo so he knows I'm not skimming off the top. It's an even split for me and James. 50-50 is a tip. Uh, the good thing about Venmo is there's no like service fee. I think Hot Mike has a service fee because Apple actually requires them to have one, which is totally lame. Uh, so if you'd like to just jump in on the Venmo, it's at Jay Zawoski. Uh, very easy to remember, but the tip jar is, is uh, we appreciate very much as well. Well, uh, I, I apparently will see money from Venmo because you'll pay me to go golf with you, which you uh, did yesterday. I didn't pay you to golf with me. We golfed together. <laughs> I paid you what you, you I didn't I didn't have time to pick up cash. You paid cash for my round and I paid you back. I didn't pay you. I didn't say, like, here's some money to come play with me. You <laughs> you didn't bribe me to play golf with you. Is that what you're telling no, everybody? But we should talk about the gift I gave you. I ordered oh, uh, yes. I ordered this is such a funny story. I told Hope this today. I ordered Madhouse Podcast golf balls from Vice Golf. They printed our logo on there. So I ordered two dozen and with the two dozen came a free sleeve of three. So I give James a sleeve of three, and I'm super excited about him opening up the golf balls. And James, like, oh, okay, cool. I'm like, wow, he wasn't ex as excited about those golf balls as I thought he'd be. And it turned out that the free sleeve of three does not have the logo on them. <laughs> Throw in three complimentary golf balls. So I'm like, oh, man, I really thought he would like these Madhouse Podcast golf balls. So I'm like, I ordered some of these, give them to our sponsors to fry the Coop and Marishkas and stuff. And uh, he's like, well, you know, Vice can put our logo on the ball, right? I'm like, yeah, it's on there. And he's James looking at the ball like, no, it's not. I'm like, oh, I didn't know. So then I, I thought Jay had lost his mind. I was like, well, he clearly has uh, gone off the deep end finally. Yeah. Well, I, I, uh, I gave him the correct balls before he dirtied his own. So uh, it worked out yeah, well. Yeah. I, not to, not to brag. I just, I had a really good day yesterday. I think that Jay brought the best out in me. That's uh, ultimately yeah. the point of this story. I think we should probably talk about hockey again. I think that we might start losing viewers if we continue down the golf rabbit hole. Do you want to? I want to kind of go over a couple of questions that we got about Kirby Doc. Is that something that you'd be uh, down to do, Mr. Zawoski? Yes. And let me say this about Kirby Doc. One of the most outstanding players in this series. Just incredibly impressive from 
The game against St. Louis till tonight, he was awesome. He just gets so many chances and has so little luck. As soon as he starts converting on some of these scoring chances he gets, it's going to be, he's going to be unstoppable. Look the F out for Kirby Doc. Yeah, I would completely agree with that. I think that when Kirby Doc got drafted, a lot of, I, I had been mentioning that some of his skills just so, it was so obvious they were going to translate to the NHL, whether it was his ability to work in close quarters, go into the corners and win puck battles, like the passing ability that I saw in his uh, junior tape. I was, I was a fan of the pick. Like I would have obviously been totally, I would have been probably happier if they had gone and gotten Bowen Byram. I, I will concede that, but I will also say that I saw a lot in Doc's game that I did like. I did not think it was going to translate immediately to the NHL, and frankly, it didn't, mostly because of the fact he got hurt in the Traverse City tournament. We have brought that up time and again, but this this playoff tournament has been a coming-out party for Kirby Doc. It has been so awesome to watch him play and to, frankly, be very dominant on the ice at times. I cannot wait until he starts getting the goals and assists to go along with all the other little things that he does well. And the fact that he can do them all at even strength on the power play and on the penalty kill is such a huge asset. And he is so blatantly, obviously, their number two center going into next season. I cannot wait to see what the future holds for Kirby Doc. And I'm going to... I pulled out a question, a couple of questions from the uh, chat. Thank you, by the way, to the uh, folks in the chat for sending these questions. And we got one from Lewis Z who asked, what's Kirby Doc's maxed out ceiling comp? Like that's a, that's an interesting question. Like what he could potentially grow into as a hockey player. Ryan Getzlaff. I think that's a real, that's actually a really good comp. I think we saw, I saw somebody in the chat. I don't know. I don't think it was you, Jay, but somebody did bring up Ryan Getzlaff. I thought that that was a outstanding comp, just the physicality with which he plays and coupled with the scoring ability and just the touch that he has around the net. I think that he is a really good uh, potential comp for Kirby doc, but less of a piece. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I could probably see that. Um, yeah, that's uh, that, that's great, Jay. Good, good work there. Well, um, I mean, come on, let's, any, let's be honest. You can't, like, you can't talk about Ryan Getzlaff without mentioning he's a pud. It's part of the analysis. I guess that's fair. Is there anybody else that kind of jumps out to you? I thought that Getzlaff was a. I thought that was a really good uh, potential comp. Pete says in the chat here, Jeff Carter, another good one. Uh, Ryan Kessler. Similar, uh, Fred says Joe Thornton. I think, or I think Thornton was more of a playmaker. I think, yeah, I think Thornton's like a decent one, but I definitely view him as more of a skilled passer, probably, than Kirby Doc is. But if Kirby Doc has Joe Thornton's career, good. Well, yeah, no, sorry, we're not (laughs) supposed to swear, but I just, I kind of came out, man. Um, (laughs) Zion Lions 666, I like that name, asked us. What has made Doc so much heavier on the puck? Is it weight training? He realized his size could be huge in greasy playoff matches, which first of all, yes, could be huge in greasy playoff matches. I love that. That kind of skill set does translate really well to that. I just think it's a confidence thing to me. Honestly, I feel like part of it. He's like, I, I don't think he's a lot bigger than he was when he first came in. I think that's going to be more of like a full off season type of project. I just think he's playing more confidently and knowing that his size and his skill set translate to the NHL and he can do some of the things that he's going to need to do to be effective. I think 
for me, it's been mostly a mental thing, at least from what I've seen with him. Well, that's a huge part of it. And you and I talk about this all the time. I feel like I say this once a podcast that the human element matters. And it is truly a factor. Look at Kirby Doc. Look at Dylan Strom. You're looking at two guys on opposite sides of the mental spectrum right now. And that doesn't mean that Doc, that uh, Strom can't get back there, can't get his confidence back with a couple nice bounces or a nice goal. It can happen, but it's a factor. Also, Doc spent this entire break getting stronger, getting faster. He knew he needed to do it. And you and I, as the regular season was going on and the world was still functioning, we said the biggest things he'd have to work on in the offseason were his speed and his strength, and he did it. He spent the entire break, which is basically the length of an offseason, four months or whatever, he spent that entire break developing his speed, developing his strength, and it's showing every time he's out on the ice with the Blackhawks. And now he's a guy you can trust on power play, penalty kill, five-on-five, tough defensive matchups. They're using Doc fearlessly. He's playing in every situation. Yes. Yes. And I don't, when he's out there, I don't have any fear that like, oh God, he's out there against, I don't care. I don't, I don't care, care either. I have confidence that when he's out there, he's going to make the right decisions. He's going to be strong enough to make the right play. I have full faith in Kirby Doc now, and I did not expect to get that level of trust with his game this soon in his career. I thought it would be maybe, you know, at the start of his third season where he'd be an all-around contributor all the way, you know, in every category, every strength, even strength, power play, et cetera. He's that guy now, and uh, it came way sooner than I expected. And the fact that Cowan has that much faith in him, he's earned that faith. He absolutely has, and that's incredible to see. I know I was just about to say, it certainly sounds, Jay, like we're going to have to give at least a little bit of credit here for his usage. We do have to give some credit to Jeremy Colleton, who probably out of necessity more than anything, just because of how badly Dylan Strome has been uh, playing in the first round of the playoffs, mm-hmm. has given Kirby Doc a lot of leeway and room to play on in multiple different situations. And that's that's tough for a coach who has never coached in the postseason before to do. And I do have to give I have to give credit to Colleton for being able to do that. And the reason that I know a, a few people in the chat did point this out and you pointed it out, Jay, that Doc's strength has visibly improved. He did some strength training during the uh, hiatus because of COVID. I, I will say again, I thought he was starting to turn a corner before the hiatus started. I thought that he did a really good job. I think he's just doing a good job mentally. I think that he's having a really strong postseason in terms of just doing the right thing at the right time. His hockey IQ has always been very evident, even when you watch his junior tape. And I think that it finally really started to pay off as this tournament has gotten underway. And you've really started to see kind of the emergence of Kirby Doc. And it's a guy that Blackhawk fans can look at and be like, boy, I'm glad I get to watch this for the next however many years that they have him because I just think that he's really come into his own. I did <laughs> I did see something that kind of made me chuckle on Twitter just now, and I kind of wanted to share it with everybody. I wanted to see, do you remember who EA Sports's playoff simulation picked to reach the Stanley Cup final during this tournament? Um, I remember it being something weird or funny. Was it Montreal? It was the Edmonton Oilers and the oh. Pittsburgh Penguins. They well, both of whom were eliminated today. <laughs> so, whoops, EA Sports uh, kind of screwed up on that one a little bit. But it, to be fair to them, I suppose. I mean, you 
you had this like weird playoff format and you know, the, both of the teams that they picked to lose have both lost. And I also wanted to shout out uh, Twitter user animal stories Four, who hit me with a tweet, like during kind of the end of the game. And I think it was after the, uh, the too many men penalty with two minutes left in the game. And he said, Tippett has been out coached by a moron. LOL. I love it so much. And it's like, Oh, that's so cruel to Jeremy Colleton, but it's not like he's um, the greatest coach in the NHL. So I just, I appreciated that that was the reaction to the too many men penalty was just like, LOL, look at Dave Tippett, the moron. Well, the Hawks got hit with one too. And I know we're living in this era of absolutes where you either hate someone or love someone. They're either totally wrong or totally right. Jeremy Cowton's not a perfect coach. He's not established himself as one of the better coaches in the league. And maybe he doesn't deserve the benefit of the doubt all the time. But he's a 12 seed that just beat a 5 seed. He made some adjustments in the series that made a difference. And uh, overall, I'm pretty pleased with what he's done throughout the playoffs here. He's done a good job. And he's taken this team that no one expected to do anything in these playoffs, and he's advanced them into the actual tournament. Again, he's not perfect, and he's the youngest coach in the league. He's learning on the job, too, and that's why I'm glad he's got Mark Crawford right there next to him. You saw a moment in the game where the two of them were sort of like exchanging notes, and you could see maybe like agreeing on a strategy or using a strategy. I like that Colin had the confidence in his job to go lean on the veteran and say, what do you think I should do here? You know, or what do you think the right thing to do is? Or do you, here's what I'm thinking. What do you think? I like that they have that sort of relationship. And uh, look, anyone who has, I'm, I'm not a good delegator. It's one of my major flaws in my careers. I can't do it. Uh, people that can do it, I, I, I respect. And it looks like Cowan and, and Crawford have a good relationship that way. Uh, Dave Tippett, by the way, says that he does not believe the Blackhawks won more battles than the Oilers did in game four. Interesting. Game four, which year is he talking about? <laughs> Is he talking about the 2012 playoffs when the Coyotes beat the Predators? Is that what he's uh, flashing back to? Yeah, it must be. I don't know, because it's definitely not tonight. The Hawks outworked the Oilers in this series, uh, in the series for sure, and tonight for sure, too. Just the end of the game, watching Jonathan Taves do his thing again was wonderful. I'm, I'm just scrolling through Twitter and finding some like interesting factoids. I found another one here that I think we, we talked a little bit about how the penalty kill looked better as the series wore on this stat floored me. The Oilers, as you know, went three for four on the power play in game one, the remaining three games of the series, they were only two for 13. It's impressive. Yeah. That's yeah, I mean, right there, I mean man. look, like you, you have to give credit where it's due. And guys like David Camp and Ryan Carpenter and Jonathan Tabes and Brandon Saad, I thought all looked absolutely fantastic at that forward spot, even though poor David Camp, just that breakaway attempt tonight was, um, <laughs> oh, God. That, that was, that was <laughs> so bad. It's like, I'm going to do these two deeks. Oh, dear God, I'm already in Moose Jaw. This is not, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm I'm bad with Canadian uh, geography. I know Moose Jaw is in Saskatchewan, but you get the point. Like he, by the time he was done doing the two moves, he was just past the net. It's like, oh dear God. <laughs> yeah, he was down the Zamboni path when he made the second stick handle. Eddie was like, just shoot it. And that was a thing all night too, by the way. Oh, there were yes. so many opportunities to just put the puck in the net and the puck, the puck's bouncing around like a Super Bowl. Like, dude, all you guys just put it on the net and see what happens. It's that's how so many goals in this series were scored too. just like, I don't know, it's going to hit someone in the foot and then hit him in the balls and then go in like that's how playoff goals are scored a lot of the time. 
All right, why don't we do this? Why don't we take a quick timeout, regroup? I'm going to grab some drink, uh, and James and I will be back in a moment. If you want to hit up that tip jar or my Venmo, put it in the chat again. It's at Jay Zawoski on Venmo. James will split all that money, obviously. So however you want to donate, feel free. And if you want to become a monthly donor to the podcast, go to patreon.com slash madhousepod. You want to pledge a buck? You want to pledge five bucks? It goes a long way. You'd be surprised how far that can go if enough people jump onto it. Before the break, I want to tell you about our friends at Marishka's 604 Theodore Street in Crest Hill. They are family-owned and operated since 1933. The steaks, the chops, the seafood, the onion rings, the toy baked potato, they're all excellent. But if you go to Marishka's, the first time you go, you've got to try that world-famous poor boy floating in garlic butter. Oh, my God. I'm dying for a poor boy. Go visit Joe and the Zadralovich family out there in Crest Hill. Again, 604 Theater Street, their family-owned and operated since 1933. More important than ever to support local family-owned businesses. They need our help during this time. Marishka's is doing well because they're well-established, but still, help out these small businesses. They need your help to survive. Marishka's, Crest Hill, Marishka's.com or Facebook.com slash Marishka's. That's M-E-R-I-C-H-K-A-S. They're closed only on Christmas, Easter, the 4th of July, and Thanksgiving. So go visit our friends out at Marishka's. We'll be back with more on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Welcome back to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Jay Zawoski with you here. James Naveau out there in Bourbon A. Thanks for joining us here on the Hot Mike Broadcast. Very much appreciate everybody that's been with us through all four of these broadcasts. If you want to hit us up, hit that tip jar in the top corner there, or hit up my Venmo at Jay Zawoski. You could also become a Patreon donor, patreon.com slash madhouse pod we will appreciate any sort of donations you want to make to the podcast because it's our small business and uh it does help james and i pay the bills every now and again we're brought to you by triple threat sports for all your team outfitting needs call chris 708-478-6090 jerseys uh softball uniforms bowling uniforms masks whatever you need triple threat sports can make it 708-478-6090 or chris at triple threat triple threat sports if you can wear it they can make it. All right, James, one guy we haven't mentioned yet that I think we should, that I think often goes unsung, is Connor Murphy. And I know that he had a tough start to his Hawks career uh, being traded for Nicholas Jalmerson. I think a lot of Hawks fans would immediately, or did immediately sort of reject him out of hand because they probably hadn't heard of him because he was kind of, he was on the Coyotes and not the most household name team or player. Also, Joe Quenville didn't love Connor Murphy at first because he was replacing the guy he loved the most and Nicholas Jalmerson, but here's Connor Murphy, who pretty much since his Blackhawks career began, save for that first month where him and Joel Quenville were starting to get to know each other, and Q sort of had to start to trust him a little bit, he's been kind of the epitome of a really solid stay-at-home defenseman, and there he was again in this series, being reliable, being on the ice in huge moments, making big plays when you need him to. He's not flashy, he's not uh stylish as a player he just goes out there and does his job he's a little bit of a throwback reminds me of an old kind of you know your traditional stay-at-home defenseman where there's not much there aside from defense but you know what you can never have too many guys on your team like Connor Murphy and I think it's high time we sing his praises and Hawks fans sort of recognize the contributions he's made 
to the team um, since he joined uh, after that Jalmerson trade. Well, I mean, there was a reason that I kept potentially pushing for him to get bumped to a defensive pairing with Duncan Keith if they wanted to go for a shutdown pairing, uh, if they wanted to move Adam Boquist and try to go for a shutdown pairing in games three and four when they had the advantage of last change. It's because Connor Murphy, like you said, does all those little things well, and he's never going to be that like super spectacular player. He doesn't like block shots the way Nick Jalmerson used to block him. He's not as offensively like assertive as a guy like a Slater Cuckoo or an Adam Boquist is. He's not going to get the Norris Trophy love that a guy like Duncan Keith will get. But at the same time, Murphy does so many little things well, and he doesn't make a ton of like just boneheaded bad mistakes. And frankly, guys like that have been kind of in short supply for the Blackhawks the last couple of seasons. And I thought that this series was another kind of a good example of what Connor Murphy can bring to the mix. And like you said, I feel like he's kind of been an under the radar guy just because of the guy that he ended up replacing in the lineup. And I think that that really hasn't been fair to him. And obviously this off season, you're going to have to make some decisions with guys like Oli Mata and Brent Seabrook potentially. And to Connor Murphy is a guy that I just, I really do. I hope they can find a way to hold on to him because I think that he's been a better player probably than a lot of folks have probably given him credit for just because there isn't anything that he does particularly like solidly other than just being a damn good defenseman. Murphy's a throwback. I really like the kid, and I know the back is an issue, and and that's something you have to consider when you're potentially moving some salary out. But aside from again that first month here, he's been really great. By the way, the Blackhawks just sent along their post game notes. How about this fact? Corey Crawford stopped 43 shots tonight, marking the eighth time that Crawford stopped 40 plus shots in a postseason game and the sixth regulation postseason game with 40 plus saves. So you've had obviously two overtime goal games where the goals are where the shots are going to be inflated, but six times Corey Crawford has stopped more than forty shots per game. Unreal, and I can't believe the Oilers had that many shots tonight. Um, I kept seeing the number go up and up during the game, and it there were times where I felt like Edmonton was kind of dominating the pace of play, and yeah, it maybe didn't feel like forty three shots, but if you look at the Corsi numbers for tonight, Jay, I want you to try to take a guess. How many Blackhawks were positive Corsi players tonight? Two. The answer is three. It was Kirby Doc and Oli Mata were both 52% Corsi. Wow. Patrick Kane was 51.72. That is it. J- Jonathan Taves was a 33.3% Corsi tonight. That's it, man. Wow. Well, they didn't generate a lot of... Until the third, when Kubelik scored, that line did not generate a lot of offensive chances. You had Sod score, obviously. Right, good. right. Goals are good. We like those. Um, but after that goal, there weren't a ton of scoring chances. They had some um, good shifts. Uh, but again, in the third, when they needed him to come through, uh, they did. i surprised to hear Kane on that list. Yeah, me too. That Considering was, how that was one that kind of took me aback. Yeah, I, I just I do have to interrupt this because David just hit me with a question that I can't believe we didn't address yet. Who was the MVP of the series? I got to give it to Taves. Seven I'm gonna points. Have to, I'm going to have to agree with you. I really do think it was Taves. And I think a close second is a guy who we also haven't talked about too much. Duncan Keith. Duncan Keith yep. was great. He was great, man. He He's just winning battles and just knowing where to be. You know, like his, his 
it's funny we talked about this with seabrook a little bit as we were looking at his decline like it's a shame that when his mental the mental part of the game is so high with him right now that his body can't keep up duncan keith is both right now and yeah he's not athletically what he was five years ago sure of course he's 36 years old what is he i think he's 37 now actually technically you're gonna lose a little bit but Mm -hmm. man the, the intelligence that duncan keith has as a hockey player I wonder if he has a future in coaching, but he could be one of those guys like Gretzky where it's like, well, just do what I do. Why can't you just do what I do? Mm. <laughs> and, you know, and everyone's like, what are you talking about? You're superhuman. I can't <laughs> do what you do. It's right. funny. I, I was looking at his uh, Duncan Keith's Instagram and he has this video on there where he's like, uh, it's him. It's kind of mo- it might be a commercial. And he's talking about how toughness is a choice. He's like, you're deciding to sacrifice your body you're deciding to work out when you don't want to you're deciding to do more than your opponent like it was kind of cool and that it's kind of hung with me a little bit over the last few days because i think that is something that duncan keith he doesn't get enough credit for is his toughness and it doesn't mean drop what do you mean the guy lost seven teeth i'm pretty sure everybody knows how tough he is well no but i mean just overall the the fact that at 37 years old he's he's doing what he needs to do to stay at the level he's at or as close to where he as close to as he can right Mm. and he's adapted and he's whatever he's missing physically he's added mentally and it's just i think that dude it's funny like i find myself thinking during games like how is duncan keith not your favorite blackhawk ever and then 20 minutes later i'll say how is jonathan taves not your favorite blackhawk (laughs) ever like it just goes on and on right and watching those playoffs uh like the replays they were showing god these teams are so good and great players on the team it's just i don't know to, to still have taves and Keith playing and Kane goes without saying almost, but to have Taves and Keith playing the style they play at the level they're playing still at this point in their career is incredible and commendable. And, uh, you know, those two dudes are working harder than anybody and I'm glad it's paying off for them. And they've got this, they have this opportunity. I think that I'm still going to go with Taves as the MVP for me based on what he was able to do, not only on offense, but the way that he was able to really give Connor McDavid some problems at even strength. I do feel like that cannot be overstated. I also will say that Duncan Keith obviously did have a very strong uh, candidacy. The two guys that I thought definitely deserve at the very least honorable mention were Dominic Kubelik, who was unstoppable in game one and then had the great goal tonight in game four. Loved the way that he came back from that mistake, didn't play with his head down, was just constantly going after offensive opportunities in the third period of the game. I thought that he was absolutely fantastic. So I'll say that he deserves an honorable mention. And as much as it's so weird to say, does, does Slater Cuckoo deserve an honorable mention too? I felt like that dude was all over the place the last probably three games of this series is there an unsung hero of that that would probably be him yeah like i just i really i i appreciated the way that he not only held his own defensively like i didn't really see i saw a lot of like mistakes from guys like Oli mata on the defensive side adam boquist on the on the defensive side didn't really notice anything like that from Slater Cuckoo. And then you add in just the aggressiveness on defense. And I thought that that or on offense, sorry. I thought that that really fit in well with what the Blackhawks tried to do the last couple of games in that series. They really activated their defense and they were really having their blue liners throw a lot of shots on net throughout the last couple of games. And I thought Slater Cuckoo was in the middle of that. I really cannot say enough about how during the season, I definitely 
was guilty of dogging that guy and really kind of saying, ah, they probably let him go in the off season. No big deal. Blah, blah, blah. Now I'm not as convinced about that anymore. Based on the fact that you're probably going to have to buy out Oli Mata. You don't know what's going to happen with Brent Seabrook. And I know they have a lot of young defensemen who are potentially going to come in next season, but are any of them going to guaranteed to come into the NHL and be able to perform the way that Slater Cuckoo has played so far in this postseason? I don't, I don't no. think so, man. And the thing with young defensemen is you worry about the defense. You know, you know that Mitchell can come in and contribute offensively. You knew that with both that the offensive talents there. Uh, and what we've seen with the Hawks, two high defensive prospects with Yokoharu and with Boquist is because of their fear of being subpar defensively, they're sort of sacrificing the offense a little bit. I think Boquist is still doing that, where I'd like to see him activate a little more. I'd like to see him take a few more offensive chances. That will come. I think I'm going to make, I'm going to found right now the Slater Cuckoo Appreciation Society. And if you'd like to join me, James, you are well, you're welcome. Uh, I know uh, Lauren Wills on Twitter is a big fan. She sent me a picture of, uh, it looks like the Slayer logo. Yeah. But it says Slater. And instead of uh, Pentagram, it's Can we uh, get that like as the, can we get that as like our, the official symbol for this club? Can we ask her if we can do that? You'll have to ask Lauren. It's her creation. She sent it to me. I'm going to hold it up to the screen here real quick. That's pretty cool. That's pretty. I like that. That's a cool idea. So, yeah, I'm in Slater Cuckoo Appreciation Society. All right. I do want to talk a little bit about Boquist today, too. Um, after a tough game, too, uh, pretty solid. There were some moments where I thought. I was ready for him to make a mistake. I was ready for him to sort of panic and throw the puck away, but he showed a lot of calm, a lot of poise. That's something that's tough for young defensemen because, you know, remember when Henry Okaharu was here and we were talking to people about like why the Hawks maybe weren't trusting him as much as we thought they should. And they would sort of describe Yokoharu as like, he seems calm on the surface, but underneath just kicking his legs wildly like a duck on the water. Right. I don't see that with Boquist. I think there were some some moments in the game where I thought he might throw the puck away or make a bad decision, and he didn't do it. He was able to make the play calmly and well, and uh, at, despite you know a tough game too, to see him bounce back the way he did the rest of the series, that's super encouraging. That's that game too could have for you know a lesser player might have set them back big time mentally. And then, you know, as we've talked about with Dylan Strom, sometimes the mental leads to the physical. I was really glad to see Adam Bokus bounce back the way he did after a tough game two performance. I would be inclined to agree with you, and I think that it speaks a lot to Adam Boquist's mentality as a hockey player that he was able to kind of bounce back from those that adversity that he experienced early on in the series. I think that he wasn't like blowing me away necessarily, not in the way obviously that Kirby Doc was, but I felt no. you could definitely see the rebound in his game in the last couple of games in this series. I think that he's got a very bright future ahead of him. I still have very high hopes for him as a potential number two or a three defenseman on this squad. And if you can get that out of a number eight overall pick in the draft, I think that you will take that every single time, especially for a blue liner. It is so hard to project their ceiling in the NHL. And I think that the Blackhawks did a really good job of kind of identifying what he did well and allowing him to really do that once he came into the NHL. And another thing that I think Jeremy Colleton did that was really smart was pairing him up with Duncan Keith and allowing him to kind of learn from Duncan Keith and to kind of pick up tips on both ends of the ice. And I know that Keith has said that he's glad that he can play a little bit more offense right now after uh, Eric Gustafson was traded away. And I really do think that 
him being able to do that and kind of show by example and in practice with Adam Boquist has been immeasurably helpful to Adam. And I think that that's really going to be something really good for him in the future, especially, man. I really do. I, I think that like out of all of the headlines that we saw in the series, I know that the Boquist rebound is obviously probably number seven or eight on that list in terms of like most important, but man, it was really good to see that tonight. I really did. I was impressed with what he did. All right. That's probably going to do it. The Hawks win the series three to one. They win the game three to two and advance. They will face the winner of the Vegas Colorado game on Saturday. James, anything we need to get to here before we wrap up another riveting edition of the Madhouse podcast? Uh, I think the one thing that we potentially are going to need to cover is just letting our listeners know that once we do know who the Blackhawks are going to play between Vegas and Colorado, you will get a full on preview podcast from us on that series. No idea when it's going to start. It'll probably start Monday or Tuesday. We'll have to uh, check to see what the NHL does, but Let's just keep this ball rolling, man. We've been getting a ton of listeners coming and visiting our show. We deeply appreciate each and every one of you, and we're going to be here with you for however long the Blackhawks decide to bless us with summer hockey. I'm glad that this thing is going to keep going, and I'm I'm excited to get more hockey, man, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners feel the same way. Well, and I tweeted out uh, before the game today uh, that since August 1st, which was six days ago, the Madhouse podcast has had over 40, 40,000 downloads. So uh, we cannot thank you enough for sticking with us during this. We've never really seen numbers like this before on the podcast, which is crazy aside from like if there's a big trade or something, usually that one episode will do very, very well consistently every day. We've got people listening. I know we're churning out more episodes than usual, and that's going to continue throughout these playoffs. You can expect to hear from us from after every game. Not sure what the hot mic plan is going to be, but this is not the last one. I promise you that, uh, especially with, you know, 150 people visiting the hot mic stream today. They probably don't go back and listen to the podcast again. So thank you to everybody who's been listening. However you're doing it. Oh, we got to tell people about our friends at Dr. Squatch. Uh, natural soap company. My toothpaste is coming tomorrow. I can't wait to try it. They just launched your own line of toothpaste. What is Dr. Squatch? Well, Dr. Squatch is a natural soap company. I was having horrible skin problems and I was seeking a solution. So I found Dr. Squatch uh, on an Instagram ad and I ordered some Dr. Squatch. And within a couple days, my skin had improved um, drastically and it remains that way. After about two or three weeks of using Dr. Squatch, I reached out to them and said, hey, look, uh, I've got a pretty successful podcast. We'd love to partner with you guys. They jumped on, and the Madhouse podcast listeners have been great. Head to drsquatch.com. Use the promo code MADHOUSE on your order to save. You'll save 20%, and you'll help out the podcast at the same time, which we would greatly, greatly appreciate. I recommend the Pine Tar Soap, the Cold Brew Cleanse Soap, the uh, Cool Fresh Aloe Soaps. Those are my three favorites. Get yourself the Soap Saver to protect your investment and make your soap last longer. And Make sure you pick up that hair care kit, too. Your hair and your scalp will thank you, Dr. Squatch. Dot com promo code madhouse to save and to help out james and i on the podcast with that we're going to wrap things up here thank you so much for listening to this edition of the madhouse chicago hockey podcast we'll talk to you in the official playoffs have a great rest of your weekend be safe take care of each other take care of yourselves we'll talk to you next time on the madhouse podcast thank you so much for listening
The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast was brought to you by Triple Threat Sports, Marishka's and Crest Hill, Dr. Squatch, and by Fry the Coop. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> Okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.